This week on the NetUp Tech on Tap podcast, we close out SolidFire month by bringing in SolidFire's Aaron Patton, where we discuss VVols and other virtualization goodness. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi, and we are about to wrap up Solid Fire Month here at the podcast. It's been a long month, hasn't it? Uh, what's your name again? Glenn Sizemore. Glenn Sizemore. Yes, it, it's it's been a fun month, man. It's it's been a rather invigorating month yeah. uh, for 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 me. Uh, even even with uh, you know some of the news that's out there, uh, it's 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 been kind of exciting to to kind of go through and. Uh, Relook at the the portfolio and kind of reassess some things and go. Well, you know, we've been doing this for a long time, but now we got this other thing that is just really, really, really cool. Uh, maybe we should be using that in this place as well. So it's it's just been a month of those conversations over and over and over again well, for it's, me. It's great for the people with OCD, right? Because you're like you see this giant gaping hole and you're like, I have to fill that. I have to fill that. I have to fill that. And then you buy a solid fire. Hey, we filled it. All right, good. Yeah, completionist. Check, 100%. Got That's the trophy. Right. <laughs> That's right. Achievement unlocked. So speaking of Solidfire, um, so no Andrew this week. Andrew's out in Vancouver being Canadian. I, I, I think he's out being containers, but but yeah. Canadian containers. Are they the same thing? Um, One is more polite than the other. Okay. I, we'll, we'll leave it up to the listener which one is which. That's right. I want to be ambiguous okay. on purpose. All right. All right. So in the studio this week... We have another special guest from Solidfire, Mr. Aaron Patton. Say hello, Aaron. Hello, Aaron. Hey, he picked up just where Andrew <laughs> left off. We don't even need Andrew anymore. All right, Andrew, you're fired. Yeah, so if you can Sorry, just, Andrew. If you could just disagree with me the entire time, we'd basically just have Andrew at this point. No, I'm going to agree with you. Ah, see, okay. <laughs> Actually, you're doing it well. Exactly. Okay. Thank you. Thank you're you. filling in for Andrew pretty well. <laughs> Perfect. He, he doesn't have quite the, the beard as Andrew, but... We could always throw the guest beard on. Oh no, there's a beard there. It's just it's it's, it's a little cleaner. Right, it's cleaner. I mean, it's not like you know Grizzly Adams. Yeah, it's it's. I don't know what it is with us and beards, but it seems like everyone who comes in this studio has a beard. Dude, if I could make a beard work, I would. But my <laughs> wife is like, Aaron, you know, I, I had grown it out for like three months, right? You know, it's kind of about an inch long or whatever. And she's like, you need to shave that off. I'm like, why? It's like you look like a serial killer. <laughs> I'm like, thanks, honey. <laughs> Could have been worse. Could yeah, it was like stay with the goatee, whatever. You That's know. right. Oh yeah, F- facial hair is this dark secret for all men everywhere. Where it's just like you have no control over this. No, you just decide not to shave one day, and then three weeks later, you find out what your face is. Yep. <laughs> Did you guys like, ever watch Kids in the Hall? Yeah, when I was little. Yeah. So there was a Kids in the Hall skit where Kevin McDonald grows a beard. He decides he's going to grow one. And he's in the office, but the beard starts to take him over and makes him feral. <laughs> <laughs> and he ends up jumping off the, the balcony of his work and lands on the ground, and when he dies, the beard disappears. Oh, so nice. it was always the beard? Yeah, and somebody else grows a beard, and they become, they're starting to become feral. It's a pretty good skit. Yeah, but I can't grow a beard, so I can never be a Unix admin. <laughs> no, you need, a, you need more neck beard. <laughs> yeah, just ain't happening. Sorry. All right, so it, t- today's episodes, uh, for the listeners, uh, we had wanted to just kind of put a bow on our solid fire month, uh, and... You know, it, I feel like we've we've been able to rapidly introduce our broader uh, customer base to the SolidFire product and 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 touch on 
the advantages and, and the reasons that, that, quite frankly, you know, we were so interested uh, in, in uh, bringing you into the family. What we wanted to do today, uh, Aaron, is is specifically let's let's talk about some customer successes. Let's talk about you know where we see uh, solid fire being used in in uh, the traditional NetApp kind of consumption model, right? The the, the enterprise uh, use case. I feel like we've got a pretty good handle on the service provider space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean we've got we've got all the you know how it works. Yeah. Now we want to get to the why do I want to use it? Why is it cool? So what can it do for you, right? <laughs> what can red do for you? That's right. I'm gonna. Can we do a red versus blue thing? Because that would be cool. Mm, I don't know. Have you seen the uh, the NetApp logo with the socks on it? I have. I, I have. Yeah. I, and and now I'm thinking about like busting out like an Xbox and Halo One and making <laughs> uh, Solid Fire slash NetApp red versus blue cartoons. Oh, That's right. Yeah. I get to be Caboose. Oh God, yes. <laughs> God, that show was so good. It was. It was. My favorite show by far. That that used to be my guilty pleasure when I was uh, traveling for for training, because uh, th- th- I was still in IT when when that show was on the internet. Uh, yep. But I'd just be like in Atlanta for global knowledge, and I'd be sitting in the hotel just binge watching Red vs. Blue on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So with that, if uh, Justin, have we derailed far enough for you yet? Are, are uh, we far enough in the ditch, or do we need you, to keep you've going? You've actually gone to a point where I have actually I don't have anything to to add because I don't I don't have never actually watched Red versus Blue. I guess I got to go catch up on that now. It, it's it's it, it's an early two thousands uh, web comic that was based on Halo. So that there was these two guys that literally would just load into Halo One multiplayer maps uh-huh. and they would act out like a sitcom using the Halo engine. So yeah. it was like PewDiePie before PewDiePie. Precisely oh, with okay. with way more with way more like voice acting and actual editing, less and swearing and oh, it was oh, awesome! No. It was like when they would go through upgrades from consoles, right from Xbox, Xbox 360, and it's like they wake up and it's like, why amazing. is everything so different? We're in the future. Everything's shiny now. <laughs> it's pretty it's, good. It's a great show. Yeah, I was. I think in that time period, I was watching a lot of Homestar Runner. Oh, strong, strong bad. bad. Yeah, cheap. Should we get out of the weeds now? Should we start actually tar- start talking about things? That hey, you're, you're in the host chair, man. Okay, you're right. I probably should steer this ship. So, why do I want to use Solid Fire? Oh, I don't even get to say who I am. Did, oh, Because I was going to completely we do the Atwell thing, oh, where I was yeah. going to be like halfway through the episode. It was like, hi, I'm Aaron. <laughs> yeah, let's start over then. Because, so, I mean, we had introduced your name, but people know. It's, again, hey, it's you're like not this, the only one that can derail stuff around this here. This name but. recognition thing. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Okay, so... Aaron Patton, tell us a little bit, bit about yourself. <laughs> so, been at uh, Solid Fire since June of 2014. Uh, they brought me in to basically be their VDI guy uh, back in the day. And I was like, all right, that's cool. I don't haven't done VDI since 2010. They're like, we need help. I'm like, okay. You know, so I uh, came in to do that. That morphed into kind of a performance slash support slash engineering type job and so the the running joke i had with uh aaron delp you know aaron the elder yeah was that uh we had gone through all this stuff where i was so busy i was literally doing five jobs and i was like i need help you know so we hired mike colson he took over the vdi stuff uh they hired andy banta storage janitor to uh <laughs> take over some of the uh kind of looks like a janitor a little bit doesn't he yeah uh, just a little bit just maybe just a bit that dude has rapidly made my list of favorite things yes <laughs> he's just awesome yeah, he was storage janitor, and I was I was very happy that I got to dust off the uh, sound man janitor. 
hat today. Oh, yeah. Uh, Speaking yeah. of which, yeah. uh, we're going to interrupt you. You don't okay. get to finish the story. <laughs> so for the listeners uh, who are listening to this right now, if you notice that the hum is not there that has been on this episode for two weeks now, uh, everyone collectively tweeted Aaron and say thank you because he just came in here and fixed our studio. He fixed the hum. <laughs> He walked in, he was like, uh, that's a 60 hertz hum, you have a loose ground somewhere. I'm not kidding, that literally just happened. <laughs> and literally, Glenn just basically unplugged it and then plugged it back in to fix it. Yeah, whatever, it worked, dude. Reboot hey, it, step one. Hey, those support guys are on to something. <laughs> yep. Is it plugged in? No. So, audio audio extraordinaire, uh, VDI performance specialist at at uh, Solid Fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that primarily your role these days? Uh, mostly focusing on performance engineering. Well, the funny part about it was that uh, you know we had gotten to that point where I told Aaron I got too much stuff on, so we started hiring people to take over those jobs. We'll go work on VVols. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I'm doing now uh, with Andy. Uh, we work a lot together. And it's been really interesting getting to know Andy, because uh, I knew him kind of from the outside, met him in 2009 at VMworld, uh, right when uh, EMC was adding 10 gig to their NAS stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And he was out on the show floor with uh, Eric Hollis, I don't know if you guys know yep. him, trying to get the 10 gig cards working, and met him there. I was like, he's a pretty cool guy, you know, and then a couple of years later, now I'm working with him. So it, he's been an interesting fellow to get to know, to say the least, to say the least. Yeah, this is a uh, crazy small industry. Uh, there, there are just not a lot of people who do what we do. Uh, and, and be nice to the people around you because you, they will eventually be on a team with you. Yeah, That's I mean, it wasn't, just how it is. Wasn't that the Bill Gates quote, you know, be nice to that nerd, you might be working for him someday? Exactly, yeah. What about the, the quote, the path of my career is lit by the burning bridges I've left behind? Uh, is that is, we shouldn't do that? No, no, okay. no, no. I think that was a lesson <laughs> learned, not a quote. I, honestly, you know, like, that quote is badass, <laughs> but it is an exact opposite of what you want to do. Yeah, you. absolutely. All right, so we've established uh, these days you are uh, mainly focused on VVOLs uh, with a wide variety of performance uh, engineering work. So uh, I guess I just want to kind of let's let's kick it off and, and tee it up with a bit of a softball, admittedly, but but I feel like it's it's a question we haven't asked yet. Um, Give us an idea of the type of uh, enterprise customer uh, where where Solid Fire is just it 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 it's a home run. It's it's exactly what they were looking for, uh, and 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 solves their problem. Right. Well, I mean, maybe it's best to talk about stuff where people have said, "Wow, I didn't think you could do that with storage before." Right. Okay. You know? And so uh, there was a a success or a win basically that came up in a sales kickoff. And one of the guys uh, got up and said, you know, we have a really unusual win. I was like, how is that? You know, and so the guy said, well, we've got a customer that's using QoS to enforce limits on their developers, right? So they're purposely screwing down the performance of the developers, not limiting them, you know, like giving them bad performance, but say, here, you have a budget. Yeah. And you have to live within that budget. And the knock-on effect was that those developers, you know, Ooh. are starting to write better code. Oh, right, God. because it's yeah. not like the Oracle DBA where you can just say, "Yeah, give me another disk group," right? Yeah. Because my stuff is slow. Instead of figuring out, you know, how to write better queries, it was like, "Hey, you've got a budget to live within, right? We all share this ecosystem, and you have to be a team player." So here's your budget, and then those guys had to go and figure out, "All right, well, how do we make our application more efficient so that we can run inside of this ecosystem?" 
right? And so that's the kind of success stories that we kind of get with Solidify, where people are like, wow, that's that's something different, you know, getting new use cases and new levers to pull, right? You know, so Josh talks a lot about, you know, giving people the ability to automate the storage yeah. as this piece of the infrastructure, right? And so this, those type of stories kind of fall out of those experiences, and it's been really interesting to hear stuff like that, right? Like that, the I could totally see how that would work. You know, just 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 set the policy and go. Listen, when we get to production, this is how much performance we're going to want to pay for. Yep. Uh, depend regardless of where we 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 deploy, whether it's on prem or in a service provider somewhere or in a hyperscaler. Like this is how much we're actually willing to pay for. So this is what you develop with, and and just get used to this. And if it doesn't feel good to you, it's really going to suck when we deploy it in production. Right. Like that. That is a. That is a fascinating idea. Well, it also comes down to the fact that you may be writing an application for something that's not going to be running on robust storage. It's going to be running on something else that needs to have that allocation set, right? So if you're yeah. if you're forcing it down, you have to fit it into this bucket and make it work. Yeah, I, I could also see the, the the ancillary benefits where it would help you control costs and and be able to to forecast your development costs uh, just by. You know, simple multiplication. How many developers do we have? Right. How many environments do they typically run? How long do they last? Boom, we know how much infrastructure we need. Yeah, well, the knock-on benefit was that you had a very predictable thing at the end of the day, right? Because mm. you say, hey, we're always going to guarantee that when you deploy this application on SolidFire, here's your performance profile, right? So we know that yeah. it's always going to work, right? And so if we've got issues with performance, we know it's not a storage stack problem, Right, we know that we've got something else, like maybe the web servers are heating up, or you've got a network issue, or something like that. It gives the developers a very stable and known target, right? So you know, you talk about you know these uh, applications that are built for the cloud that you know don't expect resilient infrastructure, right? Yeah. You know, but on the other end, you've got guys that you know they're still living with application stacks that they've had to deal with forever, and they still have to deploy those, right? Those aren't going away anytime soon, and so those type of teams. They can deploy on this, and they say, all right, now that we have a known quantity on the infrastructure side, you know, it allows us to make better choices about how we write our applications. You know, so yeah. we, we've seen that kind of feedback before. So that's pretty encouraging to see. Yeah, I could totally see that. You know, that, 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 was, uh, it, that was something that I used to run into uh, back in my, my operations days, uh, particularly with, with VMware. Like, you'd have a task where, you know, doing, doing it with one VM was simple. Right, mm-hmm. but but then once you were dealing in a real production farm and you had a couple thousand under management, and you know a new version of tools came out, and you wanted a simplified way to go through and just get everything taken care of, all of a sudden those simple tasks got really, really, really complicated. And the thing that changed was wasn't like what you were doing because it was the same commands. Uh, it's just when you throw a high volume of work at a management stack, that the, the stack typically behaves differently. Mm-hmm. And and that's one of those things where I actually think your platform, or not your platform, our platform, SolidFire, uh, is, is is so wildly impressive um, because it, do- it doesn't seem to suffer from that. Like, no matter how much work is going on, it it, it is the APIs and the manageability uh, continues to drive on and, and is always present, uh, which, which is something that, that really truly isn't in a lot of stacks. You know, typically, e- even like the major operating systems, you know, manageability is one of those first things that goes. You know, the, they'll go ahead and let those threads uh, die and, and starve uh, before the workload. Um, but but it's, it's, it's an interesting little side thing, something that's caught my eye recently. Yeah. And I mean, some of the other stuff that works out really well, I mean, some people like um, like the vCenter plugin that we have, for instance, right? You know, okay. it, it's got hooks in the SIOC, right? So if you're enabling that in your environment, 
it allows kind of a follow me QoS thing. So you're talking about you know adding VMs dynamically to to your storage and all that kind of stuff. You know, it'll take a look at what you've got the share set to for uh, a VM, and then it will go twiddle the QoS on a volume to make sure that when I add that VM into that data store, it says, okay, you've added a VM that you says needs a thousand IOPS, right? So it'll go and bump up the QoS on that data store by a thousand IOPS. Oh, really? Yeah. So a dynamic it, QoS. Yeah, it's less, it's right? sort of a follow me QoS model, right? Oh. It's not perfect, right? Because you're using SIOC to do it, and the you have somewhat large grain controls with SIOC, right? It's not extremely fine grain, but it does allow you to you know allow the infrastructure to automatically adjust to how you have your VM load spread out on it. Yeah, that's really interesting. So, so in a solid fire deployment with VMware vSphere and and your your uh, virt- virtual storage, what, what is the plugin? Just, just call it plugin? plugin. Okay, yeah. the vCenter plugin. Uh, when if I want to leverage the QoS functionality, all I have to do is just configure SIOC policies on my VMs, and that will automatically just kind of tear through and and mm-hmm. configure the backend policies. Yeah, that's really cool, man. Yeah, absolutely. Automate, automate everything. Well, and, and actually, that, 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 that kind of is how software-defined networking works, you know? <laughs> SDN stacks, you define it at the VM endpoint, and they auto-discover and make sure that it's end-to-end uh, discoverable. Yeah. You know, it just provisions. Yeah, I mean, and it's not a new concept, right? Group policy, yeah. same, same concept. Set it at the top level, let it, let it trickle down. I, th- I think this is that in reverse, though, right? You're setting it at the bottom, and it's trickling up oh, to the array. Oh, trickling up. Yeah. Trickle uck, up economics. Tri- yeah, trickle... <laughs> <laughs> what he said. Nice. So besides uh, SIOC, uh, the the as I understand it, um, you SolidFire also features, of course, you know, very rich uh, snapshot and cloning integration. Uh, the ability to, you know, it's just a giant metadata engine with mm-hmm. really clever data protection on the back end, which is what all these storage products are. Right. Um, what 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 other functionality is there for that for the vSphere administrator in particular? Since we're 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 picking apart that ecosystem. Well, I mean, there's a lot of work that was done by Josh on the uh, PowerShell module, right? You know, so that you kind of take that as kind of a core thing. Yeah. But dude, when you really get into it, it's like, man, that allows you to do so much just from you know your interface, just from your admin interface right there, just to be able to have all that fine grained control over the storage just from a PowerShell script, right? And you know, stepping away from just the VMware part about it, if you thought that Power CLI was neat to have with VMware, I mean, it's a freaking must-have when you get into Hyper-V and all that kind of stuff. I mean, like, oh, yeah. oh my God. I, I, so I, I write a lot of white papers, right? And so I wrote the Hyper-V config guide for SolidFire. just published it, like, last month. Awesome. And um, hey, thank you, thank you. Uh, go out and read it. Tell me if it sucks or not. Uh, be <laughs> interested and get some feedback. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, one Done. of the things that we did was write a lot of PowerShell that kind of goes with the config guide. So not only, like, here is how you would configure Hyper-V to work with SolidFire, but here's some PowerShell that would make your job a lot easier. And stupid stuff, like having to connect iSCSI sessions inside of the Hyper-V host. You know, I don't know if you guys have ever connected iSCSI and Hyper-V before. Oh, yeah. Yep. Painful. Yeah, so, you know, it's like, so there's this big, long section of the guide that goes to, like, 13 steps. Like, here's how you add sessions. Hey, here's how you add that second session so you can have your, you know, multipathing yeah. and all. And here's how you turn on MPIO and yada, yada, yada. And then here's two lines of PowerShell that does the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I, you know, it's funny. I've been doing the same thing with FlexPod for a couple of years now. Uh, it just, it, it started, um, 
it started by me realizing that when I was building these architectures myself, uh, often I was not following my own documentation, <laughs> right? Because I'm just looking at it like, I am not clicking through this stupid GUI on all of these things. That would take four hours. I could just write a simple command line here, and I'll get it done in two minutes. Um, and, and what we just started to do was, okay, we'll put the GUI in there. If the person is just just floored intimidated, and they, they, they the, the idea of opening a CLI is just too much for them, the GUI documentation is there. But let's go ahead and throw the command line in there because in my experience, based on, la you know, this is the whole premise for last week's show, those people are, are they're coming up from the weeds, mm -hmm. right? They're, they're rising from the cruft uh, and, and organizations are starting to spot them and be like, oh, wait, you know how to do this? Okay, well, here, help us out. You know, that, yep. that, that, and, and providing that level of documentation uh, is something that I'm a huge, huge fan of. Yeah, I do the same. I add GUIs and I add the, the CLI, whether it's PowerShell, whether it's an SSH script. And what I've been doing is I've been pulling that out of TRs and putting it up on GitHub mm. and then linking to it from TR. So then mm -hmm. GitHub is now a living, breathing script that other people can play with if they want to. Nice. Yeah, we're putting all of our stuff up on GitHub. I have to, I have to admit, I'm kind of a GitHub neophyte, so I'm like, I'm trying to figure that out right now. So. so if 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 you went and looked at my GitHub account, you would think I've I created an account and I never use it because all of my repos are private. I don't actually share anything with the world, <laughs> but I have like fifty <laughs> private repos and every script I've ever written is is silently locked away oh, inside source yeah. control. Yeah. I share nice. it, but I'm like, yeah, not supported. You're on your own. Good luck. Because mm -hmm. I don't want. I mean, I get I get some emails occasionally, like, "Hey, this isn't working." Oh, okay, let me check it out. Oh, well, you don't have the right toolkit installed, right? Yeah. Then it becomes another exercise, and like, you know, you become your own support organization. So it's always good to put that disclaimer in, saying, "Yeah, uh, you better know what you're doing if you're going to run this." Yeah, we we run into that all the time. It's like sometimes we get requests, it's like, "Hey, a customer wants us to check out all their scripts and see if they're written the best way they can be," and we're like, "Uh, that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting ask." Can we say no? <laughs> well, that's that's you know it's 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 a little ancillary to the to the primary topic, but but it's actually a point worth raising, you know, because it's it's one of the things that I've seen continuously, you know, and and that when you try to promote automation and when you try to to enable organizations to to do more uh, auto, automated tasks and to embrace more of a continuous uh, development model. The challenge that you run into and that, that I've observed is the supportability challenge. It's yes. because, you know, yeah, the, take, for instance, our PowerShell Toolkit. The reason that the NetApp Data on Tap PowerShell Toolkit is on the tool chest, uh, as well as our E-Series Toolkit, uh, and the, the, the SolidFire Toolkit is currently sitting up on GitHub directly, is because we don't write scripts. That's a professional services function. Correct. We have PS organizations that will come in and write scripts for you. That's not our support org. Our support org answers the question, what is that crazy zappy error that this commandlet is throwing for some reason? And yes, let me open a bug and we'll trace it and get you a new code and, and get that fixed. They don't help you fix the parameter or no. explain to you how the commandlets work. That's, that's a different function. And I, I feel like a lot of customers, they're not making that connection. So it's making it really hard as a vendor to give them these tools. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. Years ago in support, when I was there, I had to write the SDK KB because we were getting tons of calls on SDK. How do I code this? Yeah. And it became a, an exercise of, okay, this, this is what we're going to support in support. 
And this is what you have to either do on your own or hire somebody to do because it's not scalable to write a script for every single customer in the world to do every single individual unique thing they want to do. No, and and that's why most companies, uh, not most companies, any company that's successful in this space, somewhere on the internet, there is a place where experts who live inside that place collaborate. Whether that be something like Stack Exchange or Server Fault or VMware communities or you know GitHub directly or even like the NetApp communities, right? You go to the ecosystem where those people live, and if you ask them, they will help you. Yes. Uh, but the vendors really aren't in a position to do that, you know. And 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 we we do we do it all the time, but we do it because we give a crap about our customers and we want to see them succeed, not because it's our core competency. Yeah, and I mean we we had an additional wrinkle in our in where we came from, in that you know we had no PS org, right? Yeah. So you, you were PS, weren't you? We, we were PS. I mean, so you talked to Josh and some of those guys and, like, you know, writing custom scripts for folks. And, you know, that's just the way it had to be. You know, you're at a startup, right? You know, you play by a different set of rules. Yeah. Right? And so it's part of the part of the interesting retraining that's going to have to go on is, like, okay, so we're moving from this extremely agile, everyone's got to do everything type, you know, mindset to, like, all right, so now – we're a business unit inside of NetApp, you know, how does that change things or should it change things, right? So that's some yeah. of the stuff that we're kind of chewing on right now. One of the interesting knock-on effects has been process, right? Get some. Now we have it. <laughs> you know, and so now, um, you know, like when I would go write a white paper, it would be like, you know, we would go through Fight Club, which we don't talk about, <clears throat> but we would go through it and, you know, out of that would come, hey, we need X, Y, and Z white papers. And then I would just go write it. Yeah. Right. And there was the only process was me setting up the lab and writing the paper and then publishing it. You know, oh, so it's different now. Yeah, it's different now. It's like so. <laughs> you know, I, I would publish the paper. It's like, was it useful? I think so. <laughs> you know, and like Aaron Dupp was telling me, it's like when you guys write a white paper based around FlexPod, you know, like there's this entire ecosystem of process that goes with that. You know, and that enablement and go to market and all that other stuff. Yeah, I the the thing the thing that I would say along those lines uh, because this is something that I'm very very close to. Uh, FlexPod is is that <laughs> you know kind of comparing. Right. Uh, I, I love talking to Aaron because it's like the same job from two completely different places. <laughs> <laughs> like the core work is identical, but the the, the way that the, the the two teams accomplished it uh, over the past two years could not be more different. Uh, the thing that FlexPod solves for is scale. Hmm. You you add a little bit of process up front to be able to prioritize what you're working on, but uh, with those processes comes the ability to, you know, do things in mass. You know, do, do, be able to find the architecture that is going to address the widest range of of customers that are sitting there in the queue waiting. Right? Mm -hmm. If you only had this, we'd deploy it today. Where is it? Right? That's the thing we want to build next. Uh, and and we, we we work through them in the order in which the, you know the the demand is out there for, with some exceptions. There are some things we do just because we, we think they're cool, <laughs> and, and we want to promote them. Right? We want to go promote the industry and say, hey, you, there should be more people looking at this. This is really impressive and can make a, a big difference uh, in in your business. Um, but for the most part, it is it is that I I actually don't think we're going to slow you guys down or change the way you work very much. Um, Honestly, a lot of the things we do currently is very startup-like. Like, some yeah. of the processes we go through. I mean, honestly, sometimes I'm a PS guy. Like, I'll get on a WebEx. I'll set up some LDAP. 
yeah, and be on the merry way, right? So it just really depends on you know the the use case and the situation. But you try to push them towards PS, and you try to like follow the process. But sometimes you just, in the end, you just have to help the customer. Yeah. That that that's that's where and and that's why I made the statement back before uh, the the when the acquisition first closed before we had a chance to talk to anybody, uh, we got uh, Dan Isaacs and Andrew in here with with uh, uh, Justin and just kind of talked about what we thought the news meant and my thought was always I don't actually think there's any issue from a culture uh, overlap perspective because based on my interactions with those guys over at Solid Fire in in the past years. They have the same focus we do, which is customer success. And yeah, you got processes. There, there are phase gates. There's development cycles. There's you know different budgetary planning things you got to go through to figure out which projects you're going to do in which order. But at the end of the day, you nailed it, Justin. You know, if there's a customer on the end of the line and they're floundering and, and they're struggling. We don't let that happen. You go help that guy. Yeah. You, you go in there and try to see if you can make it better. Can I fix this? They don't care about your process. They don't care about no. how long it takes for you to get things done or who's going the wrong way of doing things. They Nor care about they. is yeah. their problem getting solved. And then you solve their problem and you fix the, prob- the, the process problem after the fact. Yeah, so uh, along those lines... To, to attempt to come full circle and put this thing back, it, put the snake's mouth back on its tail. <laughs> you know, we'll just pick it up and set it on there. I have a funny story about that sometime. I'll tell you. Um, so with a v, with with uh, vSphere customers, the the it, it sounds like uh, the the handful of things that really kind of uh, catch uh, right off the bat are uh, automation first and foremost. You know that that seems to be like at the forefront of that platform just across the board, right? Uh, from from the founder all the way down to the evangelist that we talk to. Everyone we bring in here brings it up, which I love. That's so cool <laughs> that everyone gets it and everyone is is promoting that message because I really do think that it's super, super, super important for our, for our customers. Um, but but uh, it sounds like you got really cool uh, VSC integration through the SIOC plugin. Uh, what about like VAI? Anything there? Yeah, I mean, we're fully compliant with the T10 version of... You know all the offloads that VMware put out there. So I mean, you don't need any special plugins or vibs or anything like that to get VAI with us. So it just all works out of the gate. Ooh. Yeah, and it works pretty well. I mean, ATS stuff works pretty well. Uh, Xcopy, right? Same. All the stuff that you'd expect just works. On the back end, is is that doing uh, any kind of storage efficient uh, cloning uh, mechanism, or is it is it just a? It's just just a copy because we've got Flash and who cares? Oh no, I mean it. It ends up being a metadata operation at the end of the day, right? You know, so we're moving stuff around based on the blocks that you that you want to do. Now, the interesting knock-on effect is that with VAI, uh, at least with VMFS, it's still a front-end operation to us, right? So QoS actually plays a part in the offload, and so you know you kind of get to where you know, sizing can be kind of fun, and that's, like, one of the things. Like, so when we do these clones, those are still treated like front-end I.O., so how does the QoS manage that? Like, well, it will do pushback if you try to do too much, yada, yada, yada. So th- those kind of conversations get pretty interesting, right? Uh, when you get into, like, the VVOLs pieces, right? Yeah. Everything's out of band, right? So there's no more front-end I.O. that goes on when you offload. So one of the interesting things that you'll see, like when you have a customer move from VMFS-based storage to VVOL storage on SolidFire, is that the array, when you look at all the statistics, looks a lot quieter. You're like, hmm, did something just happen? Well, I just cloned 10 VMs, uh, but I didn't see any movement on the front end. It's like, well, yeah, 
it's all going through the VASA provider now, right? So yeah. It's a little bit different story, you know. So, you know, Andy and I have been joking. It's like, you know, moving to VVOLs is going to be like this, oh, my God, type moment for a lot of VMware administrators because everything that you know changes from a performance perspective, you know, how you're how you used to see workflows changes a little bit. So, you know, a lot of the work that Josh has been doing around SPBM becomes really important in that sense, right? You know, because yeah. Josh is teeing up administrators to be successful with what you have now with SolidFire, right? You know, so getting all the policies, getting the tagging done, making sure that when you deploy VMs, you're looking at your deployment, you know, f through the eyes of the VM instead of just, you know, throwing some storage and VMs together. Yeah. And how that will actually make your transition to VVOLs easier because you have to use SPBM when you get to VVOLs, right? So we did the same thing, man. It worked brilliantly. Yeah. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Tell me why I would ever want to use VVOLs. Why would I want to move away from what I already have? Like, sell, sell me my VVOLs here as a storage admin or a, v, or a VSC admin. So if you just had to tack, like, the biggest thing to the wall, you know, and say what's the one thing that you might say is interesting, uh, the per VM QoS becomes a really big thing for most people. Uh, there's a lot of folks who are like, so... Yeah, you gave me QoS on volumes, but if I ever had more than one VM in the same volume, you could still have interplay between those two VMs. Yeah. I mean, there's some stuff you could do with IO shares and stuff like that to get around that, but you still have interplay between the two. You know, when you go to a VVOL setup, every VVOL now has a QoS attribute attached to it, right? So if I deploy 100 VMs, well, each one of them gets their own VVOL, which means I'm specifying a QoS value for each VM. So now I don't have to worry about, you know, deploying 50 VMs into one data store and having IO starvation because I only had, you know, 20,000 IOPS available for that data store and the aggregate demand was higher than that, right? We do some file-level QoS, right? I mean, we do we do the all the way down to the file granularity? Uh, well, I mean, again, uh, we use the same words. They mean wildly different things. Um, the, <laughs> Cloud. The, Wait. Yeah. On, on, on tap uh, has a uh, three-limiting, uh, rate-limiting QoS engine, uh, which will prevent a customer from going any faster than the policy is configured, mm -hmm. uh, whereas SolidFire is a share-based system. Uh, which plays with latency to to keep all the clients uh, in, in 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 sync. So they're almost not comparable. They're so wildly different. Yeah. yeah. Um, but having said that, yes, ONTAP does have. Uh, it's configurable at the volume, uh, file, and SVM level. Yeah. So it's 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 very 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 granular. Uh, the only thing I, I agree with with the the, the per VM QoS settings, particularly for SolidFire, because that is such a strength of the platform and. You know, it's it's something that that the old school ONTAP guys I think can actually relate to because, you know, if you go if you rewind back to I think it was like 06, 07, 08, somewhere in there when Pam uh, first first hit hit the market, um, we observed this weird thing where, you know, it was the first generation of dedupe and it was the first generation of of flash acceleration that that hit the street and uh, all of a sudden performance engineering started to find this weird artifact where the higher the dedupe rate the better the performance was, mm -hmm. right? And, and now we understand this is because the caching mechanism and just the way that it works and it's, it's an inherent attribute of the system. 
uh, th- there's a very similar thing that's going on inside Solid Fire. You have a platform that was built for the ultimate scale, that was built to handle massive distribution and just an insane number of objects. Mm-hmm. Like the number of a number of objects as a as a thing that is managed is a is a thing that all systems have to worry about. And the scale point that 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 Element OS hits for a number of objects being like number of LUNs that it's managing is is rather insane. Uh, so so we're just dealing with a platform that that is so primed for this use case. It fits in so well. You know, that it very much in the same way that that Pam just meant that you bought less physical hard drives and everything also rent faster, right? The solid fire model with VVOLs, it becomes all of a sudden it's way easier to manage and everything is also way more manageable, which is not supposed to be true. You're not supposed to be able to get both of that, both of those. That's that's the equivalent of having your cake and eating it too. Yeah, you kind of got to get some automation religion to get there. Yeah. You know, because you're going to be dealing with a lot more objects when it comes to VVOLs. Um, but if you're doing it right, yeah, it becomes super simple and programmatic and knowable right you actually know what you're going to get every time you click go right yeah and you know so the other thing that we were talking about with vvols though is that you know if we do it right you know we haven't released our implementation right we're still in dev but you know if we do it right we're going to have a freaking awesome vvol implementation right that's going to be able to scale based on load across nodes all that kind of stuff you know so we'll have a scale out vvols implementation as well right so in talking with VMware, it's interesting um, how some of the guys there are really frustrated with some of the ecosystem partners that they have to deal with because they're like, yeah, you're doing VVOLs, but wow, it's really not all that great, right? And the Yeah, it, I know, uh, yeah. Uh, we're not going to call them out. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm not naming names. But, yeah. Let's but, just say it's not NetApp. Right. Well, uh, that's disclaimer, it. but yeah. So, yeah, but it's, you know, in the VVOLs world, they have pushed so much engineering work back to the vendors in order to make VVOLs a reality, right? And not everyone is it's staffed to make that happen yeah. or has the knowledge to do it, right? So they've seen a huge variance in quality, scale, number of objects supported, all that kind of stuff. And the exciting thing about it is like, right, if we nail it, you know, we're going to have probably the best VVOL implementation in the ecosystem. We'll have one, two for sure. We'll have to see who's sitting on top. <laughs> Is this another like red versus blue thing? I the, think, the, I think the, it's going to be a thing. This one, the, the VVOLS Bake Off, absolutely is going to be. And, and actually, I think it's going to be very interesting because there's a number of engineering architectural places where uh, one, one of those ecosystems chose to go left and the other went right. Mm. Uh, so we're going to have, the, they're not identical. It's not like we just built the same thing twice with two different API endpoints. They actually work different yep. um, because they've been built and engineered for the storage ecosystem that they integrate with. And to your point, Aaron, that, that, that is one of those things with VVOLs, which I think is actually holding it back a little bit. It's the only thing inside the VMware ecosystem right now where it changes as you change vendors. Yep. And it changes dramatically. Like, it's not just, oh, this guy has a different branded GUI on it. You know, it's not like Evo where, where that thing would just kind of go from platform to platform, but, but, but the user interface stayed the same. Like, when our VVOLs implementations are nothing alike because they're, as you said, VMware just hands it all off on the vendor. And, and vCenter is just making a call to the vendor provider. And it, the vendor provider is responsible for doing everything else. Uh, 
uh, that, that is required for making that storage go. Yeah, and I mean, the additional wrinkle from SolidFire's end on the VVOL stuff was that you had guys that were used to working with traditional storage writing the programming guide for VVOLs. Initially, so, yeah. Right, and so we get into it, we're like, yeah, but half of this doesn't apply to us, or we do it differently. So the amount of interaction between our engineering group and the the you know ecosystem engineering group at VMware was extreme at the beginning, right? Uh, so you know we had honestly some frustrations, you know, working through. Well, what does this mean for us? You know, how long should a PE rebind take? And you know, and not being able to get robust answers on some of that stuff initially was really frustrating. I think we're over all those hurdles now, you know, and we're making yeah. some really good headway. Andy coming over was awesome for that, you know, because not only did he have the chops to actually get in there and program, right, but he knew the people, right? Yeah. And so it was like, all right, well, if that process isn't working, let's just go talk to, you know, X, Y, or Z, you know, and it's like, wow, that just made a huge difference. So it's been good to have him on the team. And, you know, and then we moved him over to Tech Solutions, you know, <laughs> like... He's even more awesome now. Is that even possible? It's like yes, yes, it was. That that uh, th that is a general strategy that we use at NetApp: find the smartest person in the room and get them as close to the edge as you possibly can. <laughs> don't you don't want them in the back of the engineering room? You want them at the edge where the customer is because mm -hmm. they've got this ability to shuttle that information back and forth and to do that translation layer, right? Yep. Of well, here's a need. And I, I know the technology, so I know that there's a way that we can solve this need. Let's go figure out how to make this happen in the back end. Yep. All right. Is there uh, I, I feel we've been a little bit all over the map uh, with, with this episode. Uh, that I actually think that's kind of fitting, though. Well, yeah. We're just plugging holes at the end of the day, right? That's right. <laughs> plugging a giant gaping hole. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh, oh. So, um, do we have anything else? Uh, the, 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 I had one thing that I wanted to tack on to the VVOLS conversation okay. slash question, uh, snapshots. Are they offloaded to the array yes. uh, through your provider? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, Justin, to answer your question, that's my one line answer. Why VVOLS? Uh, when customers ask me, the answer I give them is snapshots. You can use them again. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to go off and, and implement these array based backup, uh, uh, backup and recovery systems just to get basic like dev test functionality from from a checkpoint mechanism you can just use the vi the, the virtualization snapshots because there's no performance overhead they yeah, all but are the, the back but are they backups <laughs> no they're not <laughs> which is why it's actually kind of perfect right because we're using the same data protection mechanism we're using metadata on on an active file system uh, to give us multiple different recovery points it actually makes way more sense for us to just manage all of that from directly from the virtualization platform than it does for us to force it through a backup and data protection workflow when really all you're looking for is the ability to roll back an OS. Full disclosure, I just like to get you spun up every now and then on whether <laughs> a snapshot's a backup or not. That was totally on purpose. Um, I, you can play me like a fiddle, man. You just push the button and I go. It's pull the pretty string. simple. Yeah. He's our little, little Woody doll. <laughs> Here's a snake in my boot. <laughs> awesome. Uh, the the is there anything else that uh, Aaron that you think that uh, kind of springs top of mind that we should touch on? You know the the those top line items that that really kind of catch people's attention and, and help them make that decision. Oh, this is the platform for me. 
I mean, the last one that I would really just tack on there is the scale stuff, right? And then the API is really what enables that. And you talk about VVols and all that stuff will just work together to create these environments that just scale as the workload needs it, right? You're not put into a box like, okay, we can scale from here to here. But if you want to go bigger than that, you know, there has to be this additional thing that we do, right? So we can just say, hey, as long as you're not outstripping the needs of the entire platform stack, you know, we can make a application that can grow pretty large, right? So if you've got these elastic infrastructures that need to be created that live programmatically for short periods of time, you know, or even just longer periods, they work great. Is there a is there a size limit to, to how big I can present a LUN from an Element OS system? I know you guys can put a hundred terabytes. Eight terabytes is the largest single container. Right. You know, mm. and after the whole Gibby byte type translation and everything like yeah. that and formatting, I think it ends up being seven point two eight Bytes. Yeah, so so this kind of really leans into the the VVOL's, uh methodology and implementation, right? That the we the and and we almost really do have two completely different worlds and two completely different ecosystems in way of solving this problem, right? In the data on tap world, we want one big volume with as much work as we can get into it. Uh, protocols like NFS preferably. Uh, because it removes as much overhead as we can from the solution stack and makes everything just kind of hum along and work well. But on the other side of the bucket, you know, with with the uh, Element OS Solid Fire system, correct me if I misspeak anywhere, uh, Aaron. But it, it because we've got this rich metadata, because we've got this amazing QoS engine, uh, and and the ability to just keep adding capacity and performance nodes on the end and just let that workload redistribute across all of them. We really want more smaller containers. We don't want bigger, a fewer number of larger containers, which is the design par- paradigm we try to build in ONTAP, mm-hmm. right? When we deploy ONTAP, we try to, to steer architectures towards a fewer number of larger containers because that's what that OS excels at. It just it does it flawlessly. It's, it doesn't have to work through it. Uh, but but with, with SolidFire, we actually get the exact opposite, right? As... as, as you made a joke there, Justin, but you're right. It filled a giant hole, man. Yeah. It, it does what ONTAP didn't, and it does it well. Yeah. <laughs> and, but not only that, it, it addresses the cloud space yeah. and the service provider. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons we like VVOLs, right? It's because you're going to get a lot of smaller volumes because we map you know, yeah. VVOL to a volume in the in the SolidFire parlance. So, you know, you're going to have a lot of 60, 100 gig, 150 gig volumes now, and then SolidFire excels at balancing those, right? So, you know, to steal a line from uh, Derek Leslie, who's the product manager for Element OS, he's like, you know, we like mice, not elephants, right? So he's like, I love that. Yeah, so it's like, it's not to say that we can't do big volumes. We can. Uh, you got to get into a little bit of tuning if you're just going to go like really big stuff. So, like, you know, if you want to ask me, it's like, so what's one thing SolidFire doesn't do extremely well? It's like exactly what you're talking about with ONTAP big yeah. volumes with, you know, workload only going to a couple. Like, so then you kind of get into, it's like, well, we tell you that the system automatically rebalances. Like, well, that's kind of hard to do if all you got is eight terabyte volumes. So sometimes, yeah. like, you know, if I would get on the phone call with guys and be like, well, okay, we're going to we're gonna tell Element OS you pin this volume to this, you know, node and this volume to this node and all that kind of stuff just to make sure, absolutely, that we've distributed the workload as evenly as possible, right? And you would get into that when people would try to do unnatural acts with solid fire, like, you know, hey, I want to get 150,000 IOPS out of one volume. It's like, well, you really can't do that, <laughs> you know? And then you would kind of get into how do we actually build this to do what you want it to do, right? Yeah. And those would kind of get complicated. 
But <clears throat> what's good is that you guys weren't just like saying, "Oh yeah, that's fine," and then like you know when the problem rises up, you're like, "Oh well, uh, you'll have to buy more now." No, I mean one thing I will give the organization credit for is we knew pretty well what our swim lanes were. Yeah, and you guys are honest yeah. about it. And yes. You keep everybody, and I think to an extent we do that. I mean, we don't try to sell people things that don't fit. No, no, as I said at the top, right, we try, we try desperately to steer the, the, the architecture uh, towards something that we know will work. Yeah. Right? There, 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 listen, there are some teams out there that will just look, you can, I've been in the room with some accounts where, you know, we're sitting down, we got Cisco at the table, Microsoft at the table, VMware at the table, and, we're, and NetApp's there. We're all sitting there. We're talking to the customer about this upcoming project. And every single one of those vendors says, don't do this. And the customer looks right at all of us and says, okay, so this is what we're going to do, and you have to support it. And, <laughs> and so there are times when you just kind of smile and nod and go, all right, man, we'll try. We'll do everything we can to make you successful. But we're just letting you know this is going to be an uphill fight from the word jump. Uh, and, and there are some orgs that, that choose to do that anyways because, you know, they, they have reasons. And sometimes they're valid and sometimes they're not. But uh, that, that, that is out there. I, I love how you guys stayed out of that. I, I, there's, there's, there's not really anything I don't like about this deal or, or, or this, this acquisition. The guys that we picked up, the guys and gals, the amazing talent that's joined us here, uh, and, and, and the product itself is just wildly impressive. Well, what's going to also be great about it is that they're going to teach us some things, whether it's about culture or product. Yeah. We're also going to help teach them some things. and they're gonna, you know, we're gonna, There's going to be a sharing of knowledge, and I think it's going to benefit everybody in the long run. Right. Oh yeah, I've already heard like you know, hey, we saw we saw how you guys do snapshots. It's awesome, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, you know that's the type of stuff that can happen with a, a an acquisition that is done well, right? You don't have to swallow them up and kill the product. You don't have to you know do you know horrible things to the product. You can learn from each other and make everybody better. Yep, we're definitely looking forward to a lot of the stuff. Like you know, even some of the stuff that was being developed for FlashRay. You know, even though that that got pulled. Um, it left a lot of stubs for us to walk into, right? Well, you it know, left a lot of stubs for us. I mean, yeah, you're yeah. seeing that rolled into ONTAP as we speak. Yep. You know? Yeah, it's 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 a product that, that was designed for a market that passed it over. But the the technology that we developed is still 100% viable, and it still Absolutely. works very well. Yep. Yeah, Adam Carter was positively giddy. He was like, they're already doing so much of this work for us. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yes, all right. Oh, which which now you get to our frustration, uh, which is you know we've been uh, is like Justin and I we've been NetApp guys for the past however many I've been here five years. How long have you been here, Justin? Nine. Nine years, right? So that think about this industry for the past three four years and sitting here knowing that no we guys we have all of this stuff. We're just not beating our chest about it because the mar- the prices aren't there yet. Mm-hmm. It it made more sense until this year. For us to sell discs to our customers. That's what made the most sense. This year, that's not true anymore. <laughs> and it won't be true for a long time. Yeah, right? It's, it's, you just got to adapt to the times. Yeah. And, and there was this, this, this period where we were dealing with perception issues. Um, hopefully, that's behind us. We'll all find out together, though. Yep. All right. You want to, uh, we got, we promised the listener questions. Are we going to yeah. actually read our questions and answers, Justin, or, oh, or are man. we going to have to delay this another week? All right, so a segment that we've been trying to kick off here on the podcast has been ask the podcast a question, and we will try to get it answered for you. Um, you you send an email to podcast at netup dot com, and with you know send your question, and then once we answer it on the air, we'll send you something cool like a sticker or something along those lines. 
Um, one question we got was from a gentleman named Mark Bush, and he wanted to know about SnapMirror to everything. So he heard an insight that SnapMirror will be ported over to the other platforms like E-Series, what the movement was on that, and what NetApp's plans were with uh, respect to NVMe. So to answer that question from Mark, we got Senior Technical Director of ONTAP, Joe Caradonna, to answer this. And what he basically said was, we're going to be sharing the vision of the future direction of the data fabric, actively working on the capabilities to bring it to market. Can't really comment on the time frame because it's still a work in progress, you know, futures and all that good stuff. But, you know, basically the way of saying is that we're committed to expanding our data fabric capabilities across our product portfolios. So that includes E-Series, that includes ONTAP. That includes everything that's in our portfolio, which I would assume would mean solid fire. Solid fire. Yeah, that 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 was literally the first question. I, I don't have an answer, and I'm and even if I did, I wouldn't share it on the podcast. But uh, that was the first question I asked. I walked in the room. It's like when when are we putting Snap Mirror in this thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in, you know, AltaVault is another big use case, right? People want to have it in AltaVault because right now it's all it's all file based, right? And they want that speed and usability of Snap Mirror to go with AltaVault, which is already a, a NetApp portfolio product i'm i'm uh, i'm just kind of imagining you know just 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 kind of picture locking all of these products in a party right getting them all really drunk and and the love child that 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 emerges a couple of years from now from the the on tap e-series storage grid solid fire love child hopefully it's not one of those stories where like several of the products were cousins oh. <laughs> too far too far no. the behind you that's where the line is <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm sorry for that all i could think about was sloth from the goonies <laughs> all right what was that about being off the rails <laughs> I, <laughs> baby Ruth? It, it's it's like justin's hobby it's like Ju- justin justin sits in the host chair most hosts do their best to keep the show on the tracks uh-uh. justin is four feet in front of the train just putting pennies down hoping no, to derail it we, I wish we had somebody in here to do, the, to do the truffle shuffle right now. That would be. I'm not doing the truffle <laughs> shuffle. You were asking a bridge too far, my friend. All right. So, Aaron, thank you so much for coming in today. Um, Aaron, how can we find you on the Twitters? I am Jedi MT. Jedi MT. Yep. What is Jedi MT? Mind tricks. <laughs> See, that's what you get for coming up with a Twitter handle at two in the morning when you had one too many old fashions in you. So that uh, that was. If I had to do it over again, I'd probably change something. But yeah, you could totally like make it something like I don't know, virtual tweets. That 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 could probably work. Yeah, I'm I'm there. I'm not gonna change it. So yeah, whatever. Jedi MT. There you go. So if you want to find Aaron on Twitter, Jedi MT is where you find him. Uh, anywhere, any other way we can we can get in touch with you? You have a blog or anything? Yeah, you blog at the same address, JediMT.com. So so are, have you branded this? Do you have like a logo and everything? No, I'm not that pretentious. Okay. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that. Another sign. You fit in just fine. That's All right. right. <laughs> you like me. You really like me. All right. All right. That music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast.netapp.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes or SoundCloud or via techontappodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech Ontap podcast team and Solidfire special guest Aaron Patton, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah, send your questions. Podcast at now.com. Oh, yeah. We get cool things like stickers or pens that we got from trade shows. 
or just the other crap that's sitting around my desk Whatever's because I desperately desk. need to clean. Yes. I'm drowning in voice swag. on your on your voice. Oh, Aaron's voice, Aaron's voice on an answer machine. Oh, now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> solidifier. Oh, we have solidifier gear. You said. Yeah, we have socks. I hear we have socks. Socks. You have socks. Clean socks. We're not sending those. <laughs> <laughs>